Hey y'all, listen, it's time we stop playing it small, but it's also time for real conversations like the ones we used to have until 3 a.m. with our besties in the Taco Bell parking lot collide with the real people full of perspective on topics that are, well, maybe uncomfortable, but the ones that make it preach to those who need it. So come on, come have a seat with me. After all, I'm still the same OG. What is up, y'all? I am... I'm truly excited that you're back at my table. I have been thinking about you guys all week long. I have been wondering how you're doing. But most of all, I've been wondering if you have been experiencing new levels of the people that you invited to your table. Because I know I have. (laughs) And if I'm honest this week, on the podcast, I have tried my best to record this particular episode officially four and a half times. The last time I got halfway through and I was like, okay, cut the BSG. You told them that they could be honest and come to the table. You reminded them that this was a safe space, that they wouldn't be judged, but it was going to be necessary. You also told them that no matter what happens, that they are allowed to come and sit at the table and you would be a safe space. So I told them, meaning I told you guys that I would always keep it 100 and honest. Well, let me be honest. What I'm about to talk about, I really don't wanna talk about. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. And it's not just uncomfortable because I have to have the conversation, it's uncomfortable because I appreciate growth so much that sometimes the growth hurts there's a reason why they call them growing pains so i want to talk to you guys really quickly this episode probably will be the shortest episode because well i'm going through it and i am going through it because i simply just need some time to process it all but i promise y'all that i would give y'all a weekly update on life podcast a new lesson for you to experience and so just throwing out some quick facts to y'all before we get into what we're about to get into did you know that eight out of ten millionaires have been bankrupt did you know that you can't fit your big dream into a small average life and did you know that the only way to become truly successful is to provide more service than you get paid for because impact always drives the income so I want to get into this with y'all Earlier in the week, I was talking to a friend and this friend was telling me like, you know, just updating me on her life and updating me on all the things that are going on. And if I'm honest, I have looked up to this woman for the last seven and a half, almost eight years I have known her. Why? Because she's a single mom. She's a single mom who's a full-time nurse living in Hawaii. And she just so happens to be pregnant with probably one of the cutest little boys 
I know to date that I cannot wait to get my hands on. She's still pregnant, so I'm just being biased. But we were talking because if you know anything about time differences and having real friendships, friendships mean a lot when you value them the right way. So her being six hours behind me has always been the ugliest part of our friendship until I invited someone to sit back at my table who, if I'm honest, never really got up. But they got so quiet that I stopped reaching for their voice. And I stopped reaching for their voice because our lives looked different. And I couldn't allow their voice to influence me because I knew that if I allowed their voice to influence me, that I would be exactly where I wanted to be. But I would have forfeited the parts that I needed the most. And now that they're back at my table, I am humbled, truly humbled to say and to express and to show with y'all how much it means to have people at your table, but also knowing the roles of the people at the table. And so after I hung up with her, we were just chit-chatting and I, our conversation spiked a little flame in my heart that I needed to take to social media. So if you're not following me on Facebook and Instagram, you definitely should. Um, and I was just talking about how, you know, people will go through the exact same season of life as you and they will handle it so differently. But because you have been graced to handle your season, that reminds them of theirs. And because you are doing it so differently, they think that they have the right to put their mouth on you and they think that they have the right to put their words on your season. Please note that no one has the right or the authority to make you feel inferior without your consent. It is your job to protect your peace and your space. And so I called one of my favorite people in the whole white world and they have always been one of my favorite people in the whole white world and I just started to have a conversation with them and we were talking about how my life had hit a version of rock bottom that I had never experienced and so today I want to take you through this story because a lot of you were like oh my gosh you're such a great storyteller I'm only telling you a great story because I've lived it and I've overcome it. But I promise you, your story is not lesser than mine. Three years ago, I literally had hit my version of rock bottom. And no one would have known that I hit my version of rock bottom because I was good at hiding it. I was so good at hiding it that I overfilled my plate. I emptied out my cup over and over and over over and over again until one day my best friend called showed up to my house took me to lunch and I sat across the table from her in Panera and she looked at me and she said whoa who are you 
And I thought that that was a good thing because I had my hair done, my makeup was done, I had just got a fresh mani. I mean, okay, seriously. And I was like, what? I mean, I'm here. And she said, no. This girl that I'm looking at, she's not my best friend. And you don't deserve to keep living life like this. I had never told anyone. Literally until about 48 hours ago. <laughs> what my life really looked like three years ago and how bad it was spiraling and how bad I never mentioned it to a soul. Not my mom, not my husband, not my best friends. But here's the bonus sometimes of being an only child. It is so easy to hide how to shelter your feelings, how to cover them up with being busy. And I'm gonna bust a lot of bubbles here. Being busy is the worst disease because you don't understand how deadly it can be until you're almost dead. Three years ago, after that lunch, and after crying uncontrollably for three hours, that same friend walked into the doctor's office with me. I was just going for a regular routine checkup. It was a annual, whatever they want to call them, annual checkup. And she had drove all the way, what it feels like the other side of the world that day. And I told the doctor, because my doctor is bomb and I love her. And she's like, listen, you know my rule. And I was like, she's, she's good to be in here. She's like, okay. My doctor looked at me that day and she said, hey, what's going on with you? I know I haven't seen you in a year, but you've gained 172 pounds in a year. What's going on with you? For the first time in my life, I had weighed over 200 pounds. I had weighed over 250 pounds. At that appointment that day, I weighed 329 pounds. And I'll never forget it. Because I looked at my friend and I was like, oh my God. I now see what you're saying. And for the first time in a very long time. I stopped pointing the finger at everyone else as if it was everyone else's fault that I had become so busy, that I had turned the focus off of the things that give me joy to make sure everyone else's cup was full. Because I was tired. I was tired of being tired that I was tired. And so I remember leaving the doctor's office. My friend looked at me and she said, what are you gonna do? Because if you don't do something, you're gonna die here. And I remember telling her, this will be the last time you see me like this. And I really think that I need help. I reached out to a friend who knew good therapist 
I silently got a therapist and I started doing the hard work, the work that no one wants to talk about, the work that lions do, where they go chase the gazelle because they know that they're not prey, because they know that they are the master of the jungle that so violently could be a valley of dead things. What I didn't know that day was that I had decided to stop being the girl that chased. I had turned into the gazelle. I had turned into the gazelle that every day I woke up running, running for my life, running from my calling, running from my purpose, running from the thought of fear, running from my dreams, my goals. Somewhere I had lost my fight at being the lion. And so I did a real hard, hard thing that day. I silently went and got help. Not help because I was contemplating taking my life or um, depressed or whatever other title goes with mental health. I really had just silently wanted to go get help because that was the first time in my life I had ever experienced what I call an outer body experience. I always championed for everyone else. I always stood in everyone's circle, picking them up, encouraging them. I had never not encouraged myself. And that day I realized that somewhere along the way, I had lost the voice that I once carried. I no longer had it turned down. It was completely muted. And that particular day, I went to go make a phone call to someone who in that season was still sitting at my table, but they had grown cold. They had grown like wax. You know how like when you burn a candle and you let all the wax melt to the rim so you don't mess up the prettiness of your candle? But instead of blowing it out so you can see the smoke, you just put the top on it. I had put the lid back on this person because in a season that I was uncertain, I didn't know if they would allow me to see the smoke to remind me if they were there or if I just needed to just completely cut it all off so I put the top on it. Shortly after, I realized that that person literally had a lid on at my table. My best friend passed away. A month after my best friend passed away, my sister's grandmother passed away. And even though her grandmother and I didn't have a relationship, my sister was hurt, so it hurt me. And I couldn't be there for her the way that she needed me to because we both were grieving the loss of our very best friend. And little did I know that right after all of that, 
that I was going to hit my version of rock bottom. And so that day after I walked out of the hospital, I remember calling this amazing woman who's a therapist here in my city. And she asked me who was going to be my support. And I said, me. And she said, what do you mean? You're going to need someone to, you know, make sure that you're okay. And I said, see, I'm not looking for a traditional therapist. I'm looking for a therapist that can help me fight for me, for me. I didn't need anyone to come and stand in my corner that day because I had allowed everyone in my corner. I had let them go. And the ones that I wanted there were gone in the natural that even if I would call them, they couldn't respond, they couldn't answer. And so I went on a 12 month journey silently with this therapist. And I did a lot of hard work. And in the process of that process, I quickly understood where I was supposed to be in life, what I was supposed to be doing, how I, how I was supposed to be using the tools that God had given me. See, we walk around and we assume that we are missing something or we're lacking something. And I heard my girls say over on the Single Aunties podcast by Haley Harrison that that day that she walked into a clinic to have an abortion, that no one stopped to tell her that everything that that baby would ever need and become, it already had. And so that just tells me that no matter where we are in our seasons, in our chapters of life, that we actually possess everything that we need for our purpose, for our calling, for where we want to go in life, the skill set, the mental clarity and focus. We just have to learn how to jump over the hurdles or crawl underneath the rope. And so here's why I gave you those statistics at the beginning of this. If eight out of 10 millionaires have been bankrupt, why can't we be one of the nine? And if my dreams are so big, why do we settle for living a small life? But here is the one that I want to talk about. If life knocks you down, please promise me that you'll try to land on your back. Because as long as you're looking up, you can get up. And so you guys have come to my table some of y'all are coming to the table to see if I'm going to fall. Some of y'all are coming to the table to eat dessert. Some of y'all are coming to the table to eat hors d'oeuvres. There are just a few of you who are coming to the table that are saying, I don't want the plate. I want you to give me the notebook and the pen. I want you to let me write it on the tablets of my heart because I need what you're putting down. And you were the people that I want at the table today more than anybody. Because like I told y'all less than 48 hours ago, someone asked me a question and it made me go back to that three year old, three year old version of me. And I had to stop and applaud the girl that I see today 
because it is easy to go through the transformation and not praise yourself for staying the course, for allowing yourself to continue to grow. And they asked me a question that rocked my world. They were like, okay, if you had hit your version of rock bottom and a hundred is the goal, where are you at today? And see, I don't live a life that I expect miracles that require work from me to just show up because I woke up. I do, however, expect my posture for the miracle that's coming my way to be at a posture that that miracle can find me. And so I quickly understood. I understood that in that very moment that when that person asked me the question that it becomes simple. I had to go back and tell the part that was hard to swallow then but I had to go and tell the truth about it now that the ultimate reality was that I had stopped putting me first I wanted to take care of everything and everyone and I wanted to make sure that my kids had a life that was fun that was vibrant full of experiences and Somehow or another, I thought it was going to be okay that at the expense of me not making sure that I had truly had become a version of me that I didn't even understand anymore. I wanted to make sure that with all the health things that were going on in my husband, that I made sure that I was present. I made sure his needs were met. He was my first priority in every way. And I stayed busy being busy. And I have said this, but I'm just being honest. Busy is the poison that no one talks about. Because I wasn't being productive. I wasn't being productive in ways that fueled me. I wasn't being productive with my own dreams, with my own needs. And I had really put them on the back burner because I had convinced myself that I had more to give to everyone else. And I teach this in a lot of my calls with clients that you can't pour from an empty cup and it is not selfish to make people eat from your overflow but somehow I had gotten comfortable with just pouring from an empty cup I knew to speak up and yet I said nothing I just kept adding everything to my plate instead of saying I'm sorry I'm not available or no I can't do this I made everyone else's circumstances and problems and priorities and needs and wants a 911 emergency instead of a 411 informational call. I truly was at the bottom. I was tired. I was hurting. I was lonely. And I, I truly felt unseen and taken fully advantage of, but it was truly my own fault. Because the people that I had still sitting at the corner would ask, are you okay? Do you need any help? How can we make this lighter for you? No, 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 I got it, I got it, you know. I know there's a lot of you that say that too because I'm not, I'm not alone. But here's the truth. No matter how many times my husband asks me, baby, what do you need from me? 
nothing. I'll figure it out. It's okay. I was so independently broken that somehow in my mind I had convinced myself that I didn't want to let anyone else handle my broken pieces. I felt obligated that I had to be the one to handle them and fix them all by myself. I wanted to handle them as if I didn't know a sovereign God who specializes in fixing broken things. I had said yes to all those things, so I mean, truly, I had to be the one to figure it out, right? But I had added so much to the plate that trying to figure out how to come back up for air was so hard. I couldn't even hear my own mind to scream for help until it was me fighting for my own life and my own health. And I went through those 12 months of trying to figure out all the things and I remember six months in, the seasons had changed outside and my therapist said, let's do, let's do morning calls. I think we need a change of scenery. And I'm like, okay, cool. I know I'll be there. What time? You're not going to come to the office. I'm just going to call you and we're going to go walk. And that stunned me because I didn't know what she was doing, but now I do. When the earth and your soul aligns with your purpose, you have to go back to the first things. You have to go back to the garden. You got to go back to the wilderness. Because it's there that you can actually hear yourself think. And so over the the last six months of that year every day I would go walking still no one knew about her and so I would take my headphones and I had my phone <laughs> and instead of playing music I would have these therapy sessions and little did I know that walking became therapy It became therapy because I began to allow God to heal the broken things in the wilderness. The wilderness is not a hindrance. It's actually a blessing because you have to be wanted to be found in the wilderness. You have to allow him to come find you. But in the wilderness, you also have to decide if you're going to be a gazelle or if you're going to be a lion. You have to decide if you're going to keep running for your life or if you're going to learn how to sit and wait for your prey. And here is where I learned how to pray. To pray on the things that don't serve me. To pray on the things that I no longer need. To pray on the limiting beliefs and thoughts that I had. But it's also the place where I found my voice to pray out loud to a sovereign God. And so if you're walking in a season where you have to go back to the table and turn the lights on and ask the real version of yourself to stand up, take the table outside, pull up all the chairs, 
and tell everyone that it's time to sit at the table. And so if, you, if you're going to sit at the table and you're going to dine there, be sure that you invite people who will show you the parts of you that are necessary. Who will Invite the people who are not only going to show you who you really are, but for the people that sit there, they're going to show you what it feels like to build a table to take out the trash, to do the hard work. They're going to show you why you deserve to just have a Clark Kent experience. They're going to take all your hidden capes, uniforms, two-faced opportunities and allow you to be vulnerable. They're going to allow you to sit at your own table and be served instead of you always being the one serving. Better yet, pay attention to the table because there will come a moment when you accidentally slip up And you begin to look for the cape that was once burned. And the person that decides to catch you first is the person who desires to be at the head of the table. Because they want to make sure that you know when you slip and fall, when you've lost your way, when you no longer can see why the table is so important. That they're going to be there every single step of the way to catch you, to take the hardest part of the fall because they're letting you know that they're willing to take every splinter, every imperfection, every chipped piece of wood just so you'll know that you didn't build a faulty table. You just had too much dust in your eyes. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to accept my invitation to come into my home, to come and have a seat with me, but to allow yourself to actually be vulnerable enough to ask the hard questions, to enjoy the journey. Listen, I will always make this space a space where you can be free, where you can be who you are, but where you know that no matter what, when you get up from the table and walk back out my door, that the next time you feel like you just need a space, that you can always come back and have a seat with me. So until next time, do me a favor. Go grab your best friend and tell them, hey girl, listen, I just found the new place that we can go 
and have those conversations. The ones that we sat around in the Taco Bell at 3 a.m. having. But a place where someone else just gets it. They're willing to get in the trenches with us. They're willing to cry, wipe our tears, laugh really loud. But get uncomfortable with having the hard conversations. But more than anything, please know, you can always come knock on my door. Because I'll always have a seat ready for you.